Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and we are recording live from Transform in Vegas in the Greenhouse booth. We have three wonderful guests, uh, Donald, Suni, and Anthony, and we're going to be talking a little bit about DEI. So, why don't we do introductions first? Suni, why don't you take us in? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce yourself. Thank you for having me. Uh, Suni Lobo, Chief People Officer at Marketa. We're headquartered in Oakland, and we're very passionate about diversity. Anthony? Anthony Hughes, uh, co-founder and CEO of Tech Elevator. Uh, we're an organization that helps non, uh, non-technical people become software developers. We do it for individuals and for large companies uh, all around the country. Oh, cool. Donald? Donald Knight, ice cream enthusiast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> First and foremost, Dalen's dad as well. Yep. Uh, and chief people officer for Greenhouse Software, greatest hiring software on the planet. Done. Drops mic, walks off stage. We don't even have to do the rest of the podcast. All right, so we're talking DEI. Why don't we do the, what we, we'll do the positive side first. Mm-hmm. Suni, what do you think we've done well? If you, you know, four or five years back, et cetera, like where do you think we've made strides? Where do you think that DEI is, we've done some good things, et cetera? Well, when I think back four or five years, I think one of the things that comes to mind is awareness. You know, there's a lot of awareness about why diversity bring, brings better business outcomes. I remember the day when I had to go into a boardroom and explain why we had to be diverse. Right. Um, we don't have to do that anymore, which is fantastic and wonderful. Um, and, uh, you know, some companies like mine at Marketa, we uh, are really focused on it. So we have 40, 40% of our uh, workforce is female and 10% is from an underrepresented minority group. So we've been so focused on it over the last three years. Uh, so the numbers speak for itself, right. but also what gets measured gets done. Right. Uh, and we've really seen the evidence of that. And to, to, just to where you're at right now, it's taken a while to get there, yeah? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. the plant seeds you plant today, mm-hmm. you don't see. So, yeah, you sow the seeds today to see. Uh, the fruits of your labor a little right. later on. So um, about four or five years ago, we've always been very committed. We're headquartered in Oakland. We're commi- committed to our community. Right. We do a lot of work uh, locally. And our CEO, you know, was born and raised in Oakland, very, um, you know, passionate about our community. So we've always been focused on DNI. Uh, we started measuring it more recently. Got it. Over the last three to four years. And we've right. seen a, a huge jump in our numbers as a result of that measurement. But because also of awareness of why it's important and why uh, businesses uh, are more creative right. and better as right. a res- result of having a diverse talent. Love it. Anthony, what about yourself? What do you see when you look out at, uh, at corporate America, if you will? What do you think's, uh, what do you think's going well with the... Uh... Well, we're in the um, software developer space. And so one of the things that I, I love about technology is, uh, and particularly software development, is it's, it's a really meritocratic space, right? So. Uh, it doesn't matter as much in the field of software development, uh, the piece of paper that you have behind your name, the college that you went to. Um, it's meritocratic. What matters is what you can do. You know, you will have a different career trajectory if you go to John Hopkins to study medicine than you know, uh, Cleveland State University, for example. But in software development, you can have a, a high-performing team with somebody who's self-taught sitting next to somebody who went to Stanford or MIT. And so what I love about that field is it offers us inroads to create diversity without having to sort of get over a lot of the sort of humps that you've got in other parts of of the workforce um, where cognitive ability truly can be that conduit so i think it's a it's a it's a it's an area where we can have a lot more impact on diversity a lot faster 
what's interesting is, is there's a growing conversation around just focusing on skills. You know, I don't know if you've seen it in your world, but I've seen it across the, the space where it's like, let's get away from the resume, let's get away from a LinkedIn profile, and let's just focus on skills. Yeah. Can you do the job, or, or do you have the potential with skills? Like, can we grow your skills? Transferable, things like that. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see that, that uh, a more skills-based approach to hiring. So, Donald, what do you think we've made strides? What do you think we've done well so far in DI? Yeah, I think the first thing I would say is there's a lot of human beings that are not alive today that we need to credit for the amount of work that they help pave. Oh, 100%. Um, We're standing on their shoulders. Exactly. Um, So I I, I always like to recognize the folks who did the work but weren't around to see the fruits of their labor. I think the second thing that I would say, though, is the greatest thing that we've done in DE&I is change. Uh, There's change in conversation, uh, what Suni was talking about. Uh, Anthony, I think you did a great job. There's there's a lot of change in the tools that we're using. Uh, and I think more important, we're seeing change in representation. Uh, who's in the room to have those types of conversations to know where we make meaningful investment on making sure that organization sees the fruit of diversity. And when I say the fruit of diversity, I think we recognize the importance of profit in business. Uh, rarely have we seen companies reverse engineer that. And what do I mean by that? We know that diversity drives creativity. When you have diverse people, naturally the conversation is going to be more creative because you have different perspectives. And so as a result of that, that's where innovation happens. And if innovation occurs, that's where revenue is going to happen. And if where there is revenue, soon after that's where you see profit. And so I like the change in itself when it comes to DE&I. And I recognize that many of the humans on this planet before us were not able to see uh, the fruits of said labor. So I consider myself very lucky to be living at this time frame in humanity because we are able to say, oh, look, there's been a change. It's interesting. Uh, I was having a conversation with somebody recently about workplace flexibility, kind of meeting employees where they are. And my mom worked for the IRS for 100 years. And uh, I remember in the 70s, her talking to her boss about workplace flexibility. Mm-hmm. And it was just a discussion, like, and it was a crazy discussion, right? Like, that's wheels off in the 70s. Now it's just, it's table stakes. You know, you talk to people about flexibility, um, especially because of the pandemic. But it's just, I think we would have been talking about workplace flexibility regardless. Might have got it, might have been 20 years later, but we'd have gotten there. Let's look at the other side of this. Where do you think that we need to make strides? I won't say what's wrong with DEI, but if you want to go there, that's fine. But like, what should we be focused on to improve DEI? And Sui, we'll start with you. It's me again. Yes. Um, You know, we were talking about this a little earlier on. Um, My hope and vision is that we move beyond the numbers. So I did talk about the fact that what gets measured gets done. And that's a really important step. But I do think it's one of the initial steps. So, you know, having the right representation in the room, having the right conversation in the room is really important. And for companies um, focusing on having or recruiting diverse talent, there should be equal focus on keeping that diverse talent and leveraging that diverse talent, right? So when you feel like you can be yourself when you come to work, when your point of view is, is recognized and leveraged, not just tolerated, that's when you feel, that's when I think the real change will will happen right. you know and the real creativity and innovation happens in business because 
often I've seen that we measure the numbers of inputs into the system. So let me see if, I, if I've got some of this right. If, if, the, if the goal is true diversity, belonging, diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, and equality, mm-hmm. at one point we'll read a nexus where we don't talk about it because it's intrinsically built into everything we do. Exactly, exactly. Okay. And, okay. Um, and also we, we recognize the fact that, or, le- or actually leverage the fact that because of it, we are better. Right, 100%. Right? Um, but it becomes a, a almost a non-conversation, right. and I think we've got we've you know like you talked about the flexibility in the work in the workplace, right? right? Couldn't have the conversation in the seventies. Now it's like, uh, what do you yeah. you know? Um, if you can't offer that, you're just like you can't even have a conversation with a candidate, for example. That's right. right? right. Uh, that's where my hope is we will get to um, sooner rather than later. I don't 100%. want it to take us another no, hundred no. years, but uh, I want it to happen much quicker. Awesome. Anthony, what about yourself? What can we improve? Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing, like, we're definitely seeing uh, the boardroom um, kind of vociferously agree that diversity is important and (laughs) and the C-suite are talking about it. Um, I think where the rubber meets the road is when the hiring is taking place and hiring managers having to, you know, make a call. And there's still, like, we're we're not through that yet. You know, we, we haven't gotten past... Uh, there's still a big hang-up on college degrees. Yep. Those are oftentimes more of an indicator, a signal of privilege, than they are of capabilities. Right. And so um, I think that, you know, uh, I'd echo what Sunu's saying, is just really recognizing that it goes beyond just diversity, and it is the diversity of sort and thought and the contributions, and getting the hiring managers to fundamentally shift their perspective in terms of what they're trying to bring on their team isn't just the highest caliber as defined by the traditional standards, but these insights, these experiences that can ultimately lead to a more creative uh, kind of problem-solving capabilities. Uh, you know, it. we've got a, a relationship with a with a, a large um, a retailer, um, uh, six thousand stores, automotive. I can't go any further than that. But they are training their frontline workers from the stores to become software developers through Tech Elevator. Um, and they're putting them into their IT teams. And these individuals um, may suffer from imposter syndrome. Do I deserve to be here? Uh, but practically they do. And in fact, they offer in many cases more value than their counterparts who have computer science degrees who come into the, the workplace with a very myopic view on life and no business experience. And they have skills and insights into the business which actually bring more value overall. So. Fundamentally, I think what we're trying to do is it's, it's sort of we're trying to trickle down the insights and the value to the hiring managers and, and to, the, to the middle layers of organizations. And that's where we've really got to build a stronger case to get more people behind it, um, you know, where the rubber meets the road. Love it. Donald, what, what do you got? First of all, I want to say when it comes to SUNY and Anthony's response, diddle underscore retweet. <laughs> um, there's a lot of gems there. Uh, I think the one thing I would say that we need to improve is, um, and, and please pardon my transparency, I believe inclusion is an output, mm-hmm. right? And it's the output of diversity, equity, and allyship. It's still Women's History Month. And when I think about um, the suffrage movement and the progress that we've made in many cases with women's rights and still the progress to be made when it comes to uh, women's rights, What I recognize is it reminds me of the civil rights movement where it's never been the minority that created the change. Mm -hmm. The minority creates the conversation. 
right. the change happens when you convince the majority. And so for me, the biggest thing that needs to change when it comes to DEI is allyship. It's the reason we changed our team from DEI to IDEA. Inclusion happens when diversity, equity, and allyship are present. When allyship is present, you will find ways to bring on inclusive tools. When allyship is present, you look at hiring pipelines and realize, oh my goodness, we have to diversify our candidate pipeline. When allyship is present, men don't cut off women in the boardroom, right? So the greatest opportunity for me is allyship. And what we've tried to do at Greenhouse is teach allyship behaviors, teach allyship habits, teach allyship actions. And the reason for that is we recognize none of us, even us on this podcast, none of us had the opportunity to choose where we landed on the planet and none of us chose our avatar. And so when you recognize that, you realize, oh my goodness, there's opportunities for me to increase my allyship. So for me, my biggest room for improvement has been with people with disabilities. They've taught me so much in the last year, making sure I start meetings with turning on captions. I also do a health check before I start a meeting because people can be in different places from a neurological perspective. We have neurodivergent people. Um, And so allyship is the biggest opportunity There's so many companies that have diverse people, they've hired diverse people, and then they're wondering why they don't feel like they belong because we have not created allyship behaviors for them, so. I like the training part of that, especially. It's like training people, training all that, because I don't think managers get enough training in general, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. especially on hiring uh, side of things, but just, they're expected to just do so many different things, but as it relates to allyship, I just love the idea of actually teaching them how to listen. How to, how to learn, how to, how, what's out there, what do we not know, you know, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, think about this. So World Economic Forum comes out. They say it's going to take us 200 years. In 2018, said it was going to take 200 plus years for women to get paid equally as men. Like, think about that. Researchers went and did time and studied and said it'd be 200 years. 200 years. Before we get equal parity. The reason why? Not enough allies. Yeah. Not enough allies. And so what we do is we try to teach people it's not okay just to invite diverse people to your organization. Right. It's not okay just to engage or even empower them. You have to champion them. You go look at these companies. First of all, women CEOs are running circles around men CEOs. Facts. You can't debate that. They're outperforming them. But the championing happens when, why is my director pipeline full of women, but then I look at VP and C-suite not full of women? Why is my manager pipeline full of people with diversity Uh, with disabilities, but I don't see them at higher levels of leadership, like an allyship. The people making the decisions, you have to change their habits, actions, and behaviors. And that we're on that mission right now. Biggest opportunity in DEI. Love it. You know, we we call it, uh, when people ask me, should I get a mentor, Sunni? Um, And absolutely, you know, everyone should get a mentor. But what's more important is a sponsor. So when I think about allyship and I think about sponsorship, what find someone who will speak about you when you're not in the room to make sure you get into the room and at the table, right? So sponsorship for me personally has been game-changing in my own career. I've seen it. Um, And it's something that I want to give back to my community and the community of leaders that I'm building up and coaching and developing. But to create that in a company um, is is really important. So I completely second the allyship conversation. So now let's move to measurement. <laughs> so um, I think it was last week, might have been the week before, someone told me that the, the one thing, if they were forced to look at one DEI metric, they would look at promotions. 
Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that's right or wrong, by the way. I, that's not really the point, but it, I kind of, for, I, it was on a podcast. I kind of forced, I forced them into a false construct mm-hmm. and said, you only have one. So what do you measure? What's the one thing? Figure on the pulse that you're doing well or not doing well in DI. What is it? So I won't force any of you into that false construct. But <laughs> what, do you, what do you look at? Like, how do you know if we're reaching the goal? Like, what do you look at in terms of measurement? And Sunny, we'll start with you first. Let's start with someone else <laughs> this time. Yeah, I'll take it first. All right. Uh, first, Tin Cup, I appreciate the question. I feel really bad for the person who said promotions. <laughs> because if you're measuring promotions, but you don't have the people there present to promote, good luck looking at that stat. That's right. My first response to you will be, I reject the premise of the question. <laughs> there is not one stat that you can look at that will tell you progress in this area. And for those folks who believe that there's only one stat, good luck. Because they think, they think it's, done, it's done, right? You can get to, because this is actually another conversation that y'all can also kind of peel apart is, to some degree we're talking about a relentless pursuit to a place that we'll never reach, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's overwhelming for a lot of leaders it's like to tell them, like, like if you want to build a store, okay, there's a, there's a bit of start, middle, and an end of building a store. Yep. Right, if you talk about what we're talking about, there's a start for sure. There's probably a middle, but there's no end. Because the more we learn, the more we then learn what we didn't know, right? So, Yeah, I mean, for, fo- for folks that look at promotions, they may not have the representation, so you have to be looking at hiring. When you look at hiring, you got to look at the diverse candidate pipeline to see if you're even sourcing right. diverse talent. But if you're promoting them but not paying them equally, right. you still have an issue. So there is not one stat. Right. I, I, I just reject the construct of the question. I think what's more important is when you're thinking about um, your organization and where there's opportunities for improvement, well, for us, we say that all the time. We say the biggest room in the world is the room for improvement. Right. And so I'm not looking at one stat. I'm looking across multiple different lenses to figure out where do I need to improve tomorrow? Because even if I improve today, tomorrow there's still more work to do. Right. Yeah, I think yeah. I think you're moving up and down the spectrum, right? And there's always going to be an area where you've got the, the best return on investment. Like, here's, a, here's a, a block in our pipeline for diverse talent. Let's solve the sourcing problem. Okay, we've, you know, we're not going to completely solve it, but now... It's a bigger problem down at promotions or whatever the, the, the consideration. It's the holes in dam. Yeah. You, you put a hole, you put a finger here, and yeah. it's like, oh, there's yeah. another one yeah. there. Exactly. But that's that's I, okay though, because you're learning new things. For sure. I, I would. I mean, for us, we're in a really interesting spot because our consumer business graduates about 1,500 software developers a year, and mm. we said to ourselves, well, you know, we're not going to be a specifically, you know, um, diverse focused coding bootcamp or a female focused coding bootcamp but we do want the output of our program to be representative of the communities that we serve. Mm-hmm. So when you look at the output of computer science degrees, it's 5% African-American, less than 20% female. And so we just said, look, we just want to be representative of the population. We should be 50-50 male, female. We should be around you know, 16% African-American. Like We can produce a representative uh, community. And so the problem that we've said about solving is financial barriers of entry. So how can we turn to our employing employment partners to sponsor people through oh, our good. program? Yeah. 
Uh, we nice. put up a million dollar scholarship program to pull diversity through, and we've been able to massively change the diversity of the participation in our program, and in turn, increase the appetite of our hiring partners and build this beautiful virtuous cycle. So we're in a unique situation because we're both a company right. seeking to have a more diverse you know, workforce, as well as a school, a program, training people and putting out greater diversity into the, the, the tech ecosystem as well. Right. So do you, what about yourself? What are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, you know, in my role as the chief people officer, the one thing that I'm really passionate about is the employee experience as a whole, right? right. So I call it the hire to retire cycle. Um, and if you are not looking at every aspect of that cycle, whether it's like the pipeline that you're building, but also before that, you know, how are you creating opportunities for women to go into technology and in, into STEM right. uh, or for underrepresented minorities to do that and, you know, how are you sponsoring that effort? And we do that through the pipeline, you know, the pipeline that comes into the organization, but also how do we retain and engage folks while they're in at Marketa and why are people leaving the organization if they're coming in, if our diversity numbers are at the last count, uh, last year we had 47 diverse, diverse candidates, 47% diverse right. candidates, whether that's under, underrepresented minorities or women. Right, 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 right. Are we actually retaining those folks at the same rate right. over a set period of time? And then eventually, you know, promotions, all of that stuff is, is part of that, that life cycle and that journey. But you can't measure one aspect and, and call it done, as you right. said, right? right? So it's and and then last year, the, something else that we discovered was when we looked at our engagement data, we saw some really interesting stats around how um, non-diverse uh, populations in the organization are not feeling engaged right. as compared to um, you know the other parts of the organization, right. right? And what are we doing there? Why? You know, should we have a conversation about that? And then we've put programs in place to enable those conversations at an organizational level. So, you know, data is everything and it provides so much insight, but it is holistic data. It's not just one aspect of uh, whether it's the pipeline in or the pipeline out, right? right? You need to measure the whole employee life cycle. I love it. Y'all have been absolutely wonderful. And then the combination of just the three of your personalities has been great. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for, Thanks having, for having us. us. Yeah, great to be here. Absolutely. And we are out. Thank you.